0: Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Well, I'm excited that we get to uh, pick back up in the, our study of the Gospel of John that we started this fall. We're going to be in chapter 12 Uh, Open your Bibles or your phone apps or your tablets to uh, John chapter 12. Um, And we talked about how uh, the uh, theme of John was to believe and live. John repeats this multiple times throughout the book. And as we studied the first 10 chapters, uh, John, uh, he lays out seven signs of why we should believe, seven miracles. And uh, so, uh, but now we shift here, and that was his public ministry, and we shift as we come into uh, chapter 12, uh, where Jesus begins to turn towards the cross, turn towards his passion uh, week. And and so we're going to be looking at that. You know, uh, here in 2024 at Crossway, we're, really going to be focusing, especially this, this spring, but also in the fall, on our special mission that God has given us to make Jesus' glory known. How do we make his glory known to our neighbors? How do we make Jesus' glory known to our kids? How do we make Jesus' known, glory known to those who we work with, to one another, even in the body of Christ? Why? What's our motivation? Why do we do this? Why should, why should it move us? Why spend the energy and the time to do that? Because it does. It, it does to, to reach out to people, to build relationships to which we can have conversations and make connections, it, 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 takes, it takes an investment from us. And in John chapter 12, the Apostle John explains one of the main reasons that Jesus embraced the discomfort of his mission, uh, and that was because of his Father's glory. Glory trumps comfort. Glory trumps comfort. It did for Jesus, and, and uh, uh, Paul talks about that in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Uh, but uh, why do I, for me, an introvert, that's what I am, uh, and uh, why would I expend personal energy to talk to my neighbors when I don't really get very little back? I'd rather just retreat and to recharge. Why, do, why should I do that? Because the Father's glory is better than the glory of my comfort. My tiredness, my depletion shouldn't stop me from speaking the Father's glory. Because the food that will fill me back up, Jesus said, is to do the glorious will of his Father. Doing his will fills us with his glory as we make his glory known. So our prayer needs to be what Moses prayed on the Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 33 as he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And I'd encourage you to make that your prayer this morning. And... And, and to meditate on this even during the week and as you get together in small groups. Say, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And that's my prayer here as we turn to, uh, to John chapter, chapter 12. Well, it says in uh, verse 1, it says, uh, Six days before the Passover. It's interesting because John makes a specific time reference here, and this is a huge shift. This is a huge hinge in the Gospel of John because he's specific about this timing because the clock is now set for Jesus' sacrifice that we just sung about. Six days before his glory is revealed as the Paschal Lamb that's sacrificed for the sins of many, for you and for me. Jesus' glory is going to be revealed in a, in a, in a totally different way that it never had in all of human history. God's glory is going to be made known. Uh, John talked about this in chapter 1, verse 14, and how pivotal it was for him when he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace. Where does grace come from? The cross. That's the word, his glory is seen, and truth. So it says, goes on to say, John says here in, in verse 1, that Jesus therefore came to Bethany... Where Lazarus was, my son, John te- my son Jonathan teaches Bible in Atlanta. We were talking to him last night, and he had some students do papers on, on, on uh, the, uh, the, uh, Jesus last week. <laughs> he said, one of them kept talking, his phrase over and over again about how Jesus came back and forth between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. No, it's Bethany, it's not Bethlehem. <laughs> uh, I know it's easy to get it mixed up, Bethany, but Jesus had, uh, had friends there. And it says, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. This is an important, you know, go back context. Chapter 11, the previous chapter, Jesus had done a major thing. The climax of his miracles, he had raised a person from the dead, Lazarus, someone that he was very close to. And it says that, so they gave a dinner for him there. Mary served, and Martha was one of those reclining at the table. So we see here, and what do they show us? That we serve Jesus because we believe. Why did Martha serve Christ? Why did she serve, why did they give him a dinner? Why did they go to that effort? Has somebody ever given you a dinner, or have you ever given someone a special dinner? Uh, you know, dinner's a tradition at the Scott household, and even though we our kids are grown down on our empty nesters now, and... Uh, our boys are married, got married this year. They came back for Thanksgiving. And one of the things we do, a special time for us, is when we gather around the table and Donna cooks a meal. And, uh, and then Thanksgiving, we you know, put out uh, really all the different uh, traditional stuff out there, our traditional gifts, our, our dishes, and Don, Jonathan's uh, new mother-in-law came and joined us, and it was great to be able to put on a dinner for her. But um, something special, there's something special about making a meal for someone that's special to you and sitting down to enjoy it with, with, with them. Maybe you have a special memory. Think about a special memory of a meal that really was just a really sweet time. And that's what Mary and Martha and Lazarus are doing here because a meal, we celebrate our relationship. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're celebrating their friendship with Jesus. And so why did they give him a dinner? Well, in the previous chapter, as I said, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and Jesus' glory was, was revealed in this penultimate uh, uh, miracle that's, that's really only trumped by Jesus' own death and resurrection. He's seen as the giver of life. And this dinner is a dinner, I would argue, of worship. It's a dinner of worship because it's to honor the one who was God. And honoring God is worship. So uh, we serve because we love. Martha served because she loved. Why do you do ministry? Why do you, whatever that is, whether it's compassion ministry or whether that's um, reaching out to your neighbors or those at work, why do we do that? Because when we spread a table before our neighbors and invite them to a table of relationship, we are inviting them into the presence of Jesus, who is really the honored guest at our table, we invite them to a dinner where Jesus is the one who is present. What well, goes on in verse 3 and it says that Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. God's excellency is a glorious, expanding fragrance. Right, you know, perfume is is a pleasing scent. It's a glorious scent. It says pure nard. This is this is a perfume of an appalling cost. Donna just told me that she wants a perfume for. She, uh, David, I'll tell you what. For Valentine's Day, I want a new perfume. I said, Donna, perfume is very expensive. I mean, when you go to the the tester thing there and Macy's or. Uh, wherever, wherever, and wherever, you, you, sometimes when we go walk them all, we'll, we'll try out different scents. But then you look at the, the cost of them, it's like, oh my goodness, this is $100 for like an ounce and a half, right? But that's what this was. It was, it was an expensive perfume, and the fragrance of Jesus' glory is about to be poured out and spread for all to experience. And Paul talks about this, that we also, have, our lives have been changed with Christ, that we are a fragrance of his gospel to all those that we come in contact with. Um, so the question here is, uh, as we read John and we think about these next six days of Jesus' life, and even as we look now, very quickly, I know Christmas is done, but Easter is coming. Uh, the 31st of March, it'll be here before you know it. As we think about this time, and we're going to be able to... John slows down here, so we're going to be able to spend some extended time looking at this this uh, interaction of the, even the next uh, 72 hours. But as we look at this, do you smell Jesus' unleashed glory? When you sing about the cross, let us come to the cross. Do you, do you allow yourselves, do you allow his glory to rain down on you from... That's that's revealed in the cross. Well, immediately John contrasts Mary's worshipful response right to to, to uh, with Judas's worship of himself. Look at verse four. But Judas Iscariot, One of his disciples who was about to betray him said, "Why is this woman not sold for a hundred denarii and given to the poor?" He said. He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he was in charge of the money bag and he used to help it for himself to do what was put, with what was put into it. See, every day, we have the same choice Judas did. We have a choice either to worship Christ's glory or to worship ourselves and our appetites. Judas was just simply feeding his desires. He wasn't making himself satisfied with the goodness and the greatness and the glory of Christ. Rejecting Jesus is actually worshiping yourself, your own appetites, your own desires. It's self-idolatry. And that's what Judas was doing. He wasn't really caring about the poor as God cares about the poor. He cared about his own self. But all of us are guilty of self-idolatry. All of us are in many ways like Judas at times. And it says that having charge of the money bag, he used to help, help himself to it. All of us have helped ourselves to what was in the bag that has been entrusted to us by God right? Romans 1 says that we have worshiped the creation rather than the creator. And that's even a temptation for us who's Christians with our old man to go back and to think about the things of this world, right? It's the comforts of this life, especially with the deception of the American dream that's here. And before David and Ida came over from the big island, I warned them that our culture is, is it, it will deceive you. It will pull you away. It'll be pulling at your kids because it says that that true life is found in consumption and satisfaction of our desires. So, um, uh, and it, it says, "and uh, every day is either, is this choice, therefore, between worshiping Christ or worshiping ourselves." And then, verse seven, Jesus said, uh, "Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you all, but you will not always have me." See, Mary here is unknowingly, prophetically, symbolically pointing to the glory of Jesus' coming sacrifice, his death. And Jesus points to this, that this, this, this nard could be used to anoint his body. We are called to extravagant celebration of Christ's glory. That's what we try to do here on Sunday mornings. We try to celebrate extravagantly God's glory, Christ's glory. Um, and Jesus calls us to that, that there's a place and a time for that, right? And that's why we we, we generously give time of our week, right? And, and during your day, I encourage you to, to take time to spend. It's not a waste to spend time just celebrating God's glory. Well, that turns very quickly to a plot to kill Lazarus because of his resurrection. Verse 9, when the large group of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Notice it says, on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Um... You know, here we have a contrast between those who believed and have life and those who disbelieved and pursued death. We either believe Christ's glory and we have life or we disbelieve and we pursue and experience death. And that's what the the priests did not know it. They thought that they were holding on to something that was better. But in truth, they were holding on to something that only uh, ended in death. And when Jesus' glory, re- when he reveals his glory through this supernatural giving of life like he did to Lazarus, you can either believe and you can receive life or you can hold on to your own glory and you can experience its empty, dead existence. And they were, the, so the, the priests here are hostile to Lazarus even as they're going to turn and be hostile to Jesus, right? And we're going to see this hostility uh, volume increasing as they go to when eventually they arrest him And they crucify him. But then in verse 12, um, uh, the theme of worship continues with Jesus' triumphal entry. Uh, And uh, it says, The next day the large crowd had come to the feast. that They had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And it says that in Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it was written, Fear not, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's col- colt. Um, so when they were singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as, as uh, Keith read, he's, they're, they're actually singing the Hillel, which was, uh, all, uh, was a key uh, part of every festival, as, as Keith shared, but also specifically about the, the, uh, the, the Passover, and this was a, a song of ascent, and it was a song of coronation that, uh, that was about Israel's kings, but it's also about uh, the one who will reign forever, the true king of all of Israel, right, the, the, who Christ was taking over as his role there to fulfill that prophecy. So, it's interesting here because the crowd, you know, we know they're going to turn on Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit through them even prophetically, and they're not totally uh, clear on this. But we know that because of, of, of that, uh, so many fall away even at his, resurre- at his crucifixion. But they're, they're saying prophecy and God uses them to speak truth about who Jesus is. And we know that it says if, if we don't praise him, even the rocks will cry out, right? Um, but then verse... Uh, 16 goes on and says, His disciples did not understand that these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him and that had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead uh, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowds went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So uh, uh, it goes on in verse 19, and it says, The Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world is going after him. Once again, John highlights the Jewish leaders, the Jewish establishment, with the in their disbelief, with the dawning belief, uh, even here uh, uh, that we're going to see uh, of the Gentiles in the next verse, in verse in verse twenty, because it says, "Now among those that went up to worship at the feast were were some Greeks. These were these were Greek Jews, and so." They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew, Peter went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered him, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This, This word, this theme of glory and glorification is repeated again and again throughout this chapter. When we live missionally, testifying of Jesus to a pagan world, we participate in the unveiling of Christ's glory. Christ said, now is the time for my glory to be revealed. He said that specifically in response to the hunger, the spiritual hunger of of the Greeks. Why do we see ourselves as on a mission to our neighbors? Because now is the time. This is the era. This is the season for Jesus' glory to be revealed to those who don't know him. That's why we're still here. That's why we're between the cross and the second coming. That's why Jesus hasn't come yet, right? Because he wants his fame to be spread even further for those to know him who don't currently know him. Well, in verse 24, it goes on and says, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, "'it remains alone. "'But if it dies, it bears much fruit. "'Whoever loves his life loses it. "'Whoever hates his life in this world "'will keep it for eternal life. "'If anyone serves me, you must follow me and where I am there will my servant will be also if anyone serves me the father will honor him so this unfolding uh, life-giving glory of jesus jesus says only comes from us denying and dying to ourselves just like him like a seed that falls to the ground right to bear new fruit we must follow christ and Dying to self, this is the path of discipleship. This is, Jesus said, unless you f- take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Serving Jesus is a missional witness to the Father's glory, but it means me dying to myself. You know, it takes time to, b- to build relational uh, bridges and connections with your neighbors, especially in America where there's no organic community. You know, in my neighborhood, it's not a natural neighborhood. People are all transplants, right? Uh, and, and it's not like in other parts of the world where everybody knows each other. It's just simply not that way. It takes time to connect with those people. And to be on a saving mission, to live incarnationally like Jesus did, to be fleshing out God's glory in front of those who don't know him means that I have to die to my ownership of my time. Now, I know a lot of us here are involved in full-time ministry and, um, you know, and... Donna and I struggle with this as well, and so I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, but one of my observations about the culture of being in parachurch ministry is it's so busy, it's so demanding, it's very difficult for us to have a local witness, to have a, a, a connection and relationships with those who live around us. Why? Because we have so many other relationships at work, right? And it's so natural let that be our focus, to be the bubble that we constantly just go back and forth in between our house and work. And... So I think it calls us to think about what does it take for me to be light and salt and, and, and uh, where I live, even with the constraints and demands of, of being in ministry. And like I said, Donna and I are, are struggling with this just like those of you who are in parachurch church ministry are. And so this is one of the challenges. It's one of the biggest challenges for us as a church, to be honest with you, for us to be, have major missional impact, growing missional impact here in East Orlando. And so that's why I'm trying to address this specifically. Um, so, uh, uh, this, this is the challenge that, you know, uh, it's, it's like reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan where there's a person on the road, right? And they're bleeding, they've been beat down, they've been robbed. And that's what our culture has done to people that are all around us. But the religious people were what? They were too busy. They were too busy and they went around them we got to make sure that we don't do that, and that's what I'm saying. So then John goes on and says, The Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 27. He said, Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This reminds us of, the, of what he's going to say in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? When Jesus says his soul is troubled, that means he is torn up inside. He knows what is coming. He knows the cost for him. He knows the sacrifice, but he says, I have come for this hour. Living out here in this broken world, in this age of the church, when, when we're still in the presence of evil, right? The power of evil has been, uh, has been broken. The payment for evil has been made on the cross, but the presence of evil is still here. It's difficult. It's painful, but Jesus said, for this hour, I was called, Father, glorify your name. So when life gets difficult, when your circumstances are pulling at you, I had to put $4,000 in my car within the last month. And I thought, when after I did it, I thought, you know, I could use that towards a new car or a different car, not a new car, but a different car. Life, life has lots of difficulties and troubles. And, you know, some of you have health challenges, You got more significant issues than that, but um, whatever it is, sometimes it's like, why are we doing this? What, how do I do this? Why are we here? The reason why we're here is when Jesus says, Father, glorify thy name. That's the reason why we need to persevere and persist, even as he did as he moved towards the cross. He says that, uh, uh, verse 31, Now, the judgment is this. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and when I am when, and when I when I am lifted up from the earth and I will draw all people to myself and he said this to show what kind of death he was going to die, so obviously he's referring there's an allusion here back to the old Testament in the Old Testament in the wilderness where they held up uh, the snake um, but uh, he's saying now he's going to be lifted up on the cross, and then as all people come to him that they can experience life but uh, God, through the cross, is revealing his glory. You know, it's, but it's not for Jesus' sake. Jesus wasn't re- revealing God's glory for his own sake. Why? Because he already knew God's glory. Why was God's glory being revealed? God's glory was being revealed for us so that we would see it. Because he said, I will call all men uh, unto me if I'm lifted up. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, is, how is Crossway going to grow? Well, it's very simple, and we are growing. There's one simple answer, and it's here. He says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. This is a promise. Christ gave this promise. If you and I will just lift his name up, he's the one who will draw people's hearts. We don't have to worry about it. This isn't something we need to manipulate. It's not something we can even manufacture that's left up to the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is take the initiative and in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit to share how the gospel, the good news of how Christ has changed our life, to simply share our story. But the results, as you all know, is what? It's up to God, right? I will draw all men to myself. All we have to do is stop and take time to lift him up. But realize here that sharing Christ is worship. You see that? Because it's lifting him up. It's lifting up his glory. It's lifting up or the exalting of the name of Christ, the glory of Christ, and testifying to the glory of Christ. That's what we do. As we begin to seed our conversations with grace, seed them to have spiritual conversations. That just means, you know, to, to, to begin putting salt and stuff and sprinkling it through our conversation. That doesn't mean you had to beat people over the head with a 10-pound 10, 10, 10 King James Bible. No. It just means that that we think we have this in mind in the conversation. Look for divine opportunities for God to open divine doors. Well, verse 34 goes on and says, So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to him, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe the light, that you may become sons of the light. Jesus said, walk in the light. Walk in the light, right? We have light. What is the light? We need to be light shining on the one who is true light. He says, we have time, and just as they only had a little bit of time while Jesus is where, but we only have a little bit of time as well. We're in a limited time period. We don't know when he's going to come. We don't know when our life is going to end. We have the same urgency that he talks about here. We need to also lift Christ up, because he is the light. The light of Jesus has dawned. Believing in the light, he says, so that you may become sons of light. And when we tell our neighbors that we... That we, and we, we Why do we do that? Because we are sons of light. So that they might believe in the light and become sons of light as well. So John here quickly contrasts the belief in the son of light with the unbelief of people in their remaining in darkness. Once again, this is this theme, believe and live. Over and over again, it happens again and again. And he said, when Jesus said these things, he departed. uh it says when jesus uh said these things he departed and uh sorry i'm lost i got lost in my notes here <laughs> i was thinking of my light god god have my my focus on him um so uh but anyway we'll we'll go on here in a verse uh, that's that's wrong verse verse well, verse thirty seven did we already do that no no okay i'm sorry yeah um anyway, yeah okay Lord, help me here. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay, here I am. Yeah. So it said that uh, though many have been signs, seen signs that they didn't believe him. You know, if you believe, if you see, you should believe. And we've seen God show up again and again and again in our lives, right? Why do we doubt him? Why do we have trouble believing him in the midst of the difficulty of our lives? When we believe, we will speak what we believe. That's what he says when he says, so the word was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. When he said, um, uh, Lord, who has believed in what, has, what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe for Isaiah. Again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and he has hardened their hearts, lest their eyes see with their, see with their eyes and understand with their hearts. In turn, I will heal them. See, when we see God's glory and we turn away, then God removes from our sight what our ability to see. He hardened their hearts. He's talking about Israel here. The context is the national, the, dis, the unbelief of the nation of Israel as they reject Christ, um, the Jewish people. And so God is, he said, this light is shining, but they can't see it. And then uh, verse 40 goes on to says, uh So, yeah, so when we see God's glory and we turn away, he removes from our sight what we we see. Verse uh, 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory of God and he spoke of them. When we see God's glory, we should speak of him, even as Isaiah did. Verse 42, nevertheless, even as many of the authorities believed in him, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they wouldn't confess it. So they would not put out, they were, so they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Go through this chapter, unline the word glory and glorification and glorify it. It comes up again and again. Don't love the glory that comes from man, John says. Jesus says, don't believe in your own glory. And that's the fundamental mistake that the Pharisees has. they were believing in their own glory. When we live for our own comfort, We are loving the glory that comes from man rather than the glory that comes from God. And I'm preaching to Dave on that. It's so easy in this world to live for our own comfort. But Jesus came to save the world. He came to save the world. It says, and Jesus cried out and he said, whoever believes in me believes not uh, in, in me, but the one who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who has sent me. If you want to better see the Father's glory, then spend time looking at Jesus. Because he said he is the perfect manifestation of the Father. Well, we are living for a glory here, I want you to note, of one who is unseen. Who, wanted, who is unseen. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the thing, assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it that will people of old receive their commendation. Jesus is talking about the glory of the Father. He's reflecting it. He's incarnated, but, but we can't see the glory of the Father. And these, these, uh, he, these saints that are listed here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, they were believing in a glory that they could not see, that they couldn't even necessarily fully experience today. It talks about Abraham who obeyed and he went out. He didn't even know where he was going. He did it, why? Because he trusted God by faith. By faith, uh, uh, it says that, that all who died in the faith, they, having not received the things promised, but that they s- saw them and greeted them from afar. Some were tortured, refusing to accept their release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonments. And they were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were killed with the sword. And this is happening to people all around the world. You know, American Christianity, we have a luxury and look through a lens that's really warped because this is the reality of most Christians. And it says, and though they were commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. What has God provided better for us than experiencing and seeing a a fulfillment of it now? The better thing, the best thing, the ultimate good is his glory. And that's what they got when they went to the other side. That's what it means to have faith in what is unseen. The assurance of things hoped for. That's what we need to hope for. Do you believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him? Jesus said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. That's whose glory we are reflecting is really the glory of the Father. That's who he wants to use us. You know, our neighbors are living in darkness. And they uh, get through, they face every day without light. Right? And so Jesus has said that he wants to use us to shine not only his glory, but the glory of the Father. Why did he leave the comfort of heaven to come here in an uncomfortable world, into our broken world? Verse 46. He says... I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Why do we leave our circle of comfort to enter the world of those around us, right? Who we don't even know, we don't have relationships with. They're not our natural friends. The answer is we tell others of Christ's glory so that whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. Why is Crossway here in 2024? Because whoever believes in Christ here in East Orlando may not, would not remain in darkness. That's why we are here. He says, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I don't judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. And that word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day, he says. He says, For I have spoken... Uh, um, not on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has given me commandments, and what to say and what to speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal. What I say, therefore, I say of the Father has told me. Why did he leave the realm of light and life to enter a dark uh, realm of darkness, to speak words of life that the Father had spoken to him? Do you know the, uh, this commandment? Following Jesus' commandment is eternal life. This is a step of faith. This is what this means, to trust in Him. Active obedience, right? Obeying the Father will bring us life rather than death. Jesus on the cross believed and obeyed His Father that He would bring Him life rather than death, even as His Father was abandoning Him. And I shared the quote from uh, Larry Crabb that says, you know, it's not... The experience of God's presence that sustains us. It's our faith in the reality of God and his presence. That's what sustained Christ even when he didn't experience God's presence. Well, here's what he says. What I say, therefore, I say is the Father has told me. As a church, we say what we say here in East Orlando. We say so as the Father has told us. As a church, we at Crossway, we speak of the glory of God to East Orlando, to Waterford Lakes, right? To our neighborhoods, to our neighbors, to whatever street you're on, because we tell others what God has told us. It's not because we're special, right? We're just sinners on the path. We're just we're one beggar prone to another beggar where we found bread. At Crossway, we're on a mission to speak what the Father has told us, to speak of the Father's glory, That's what it's all about. It's not about increasing the glory of a church, making people more impressed with us. This is not a duty. Sharing the glory of God is not a duty. It is a privilege. It's a privilege. And that's why in 1 Chronicles 16.4, it says, Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the people. That's why Jesus said he came here in John chapter 12 to share and declare God's glory to the nations. Because we believe this is how we live. Enjoying his glory and sharing his glory. God, we thank you, and it's something we can't even comprehend why you would share your glory to us, why you would make known to us, Lord, um, and allow us to taste and see of your character. Lord, and for you to touch and change our lives, to bring life out of death in our lives, in our stories, just like you did Lazarus. And Lord, you've given us this special mission that even as you were on a mission with the Father, you invite us into that same mission a mission that's all about your fame and your glory. God, we pray that you would use us, dear God, because we know that it's your spirit that brings life. We pray that you would do that here in East Orlando. God, we lift this to you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando come check us out I'll see you then